Welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey, and I'm joined this afternoon by a, uh, a vocalist, multi-instrumentalist, uh, rock musician. Uh, he, he has his own solo material, uh, as well as playing in the band Whiskey of the Damned. Um, uh, his most recent record uh, under his own name is called The Howl of Insanity. And I'm excited to talk to him about his passions, I assume why he does what he does. Thank you very much, Andrew David Weber, for joining me today. Thanks for having me, man. I've been wanting to do one of these. I've been following you on Instagram and going through all those. You guys talk about some pretty in-depth stuff, so I've always appreciated it. Thanks, man. Glad uh, you could come be a part of it. Um, I've been following your work in the music scene for a little while now, and uh, I don't know if we've ever like really like interacted in person much, but um, that's what this show is good to do. So, yeah. Um, yeah, man, to start, uh, how's your day going? Oh, my day is going pretty well. I uh, had breakfast with my girlfriend, Sarah, and uh, her daughter, Kenny. And then uh, I'm not much of a morning person, but I've been trying to be because of this, you know, new relationship. Like, I, you know, I should probably make time for it. Yeah. <laughs> I agree, dude. I My last relationship was like my first time eating breakfast in like years. You know? <laughs> funny how that can start getting you up you know mm-hmm. what's for breakfast uh so i had cereal and a grapefruit because nice. i love grapefruit i eat a lot of it yeah yeah yeah, yeah i do like the uh, the pamplemousse uh lacroix i'm i'm more in, into like grapefruit like sparkling water than actual grapefruit for some reason but teach their own yeah, I don't know. Uh, a few years ago, I got a craving for it one day. And then now whenever I remember that I crave it, sometimes I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go on a kick and like eat it every day for a week. And then I'm good for like a couple months. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, so you had breakfast. What else did you do? Uh, I play with my girlfriend's dog. Um, yeah, she went she went to work. Her daughter went to school. And they, they were like, yeah, you can stay here if you want. So I was like, okay, cool. So I played video games for a while. Um, Sarah came home for a little bit. We've been playing a video game called It Takes Two on the PlayStation 4. Um, I'm not being paid to say that game is amazing. It's like awesome. If you're, if you're uh, in a relationship or even if you want to just play with a friend, it's like a co-op. You have to work with another person to get things done. And I haven't seen a game like that, or at least like, this involved in a long time. Actually, I don't even think there's anything like it. That's awesome. Um, wait, what's the premise of the game exactly? So the, the premise of the game is basically uh, a little girl is watching her parents argue and they're thinking about getting a divorce and she just wants them to be friends again to like fix their relationship or be on good terms with each other. Uh, so she makes a wish for them to be friends again and she's holding two dolls that she made of them. Um, and so like her tears fall, turn the dolls or her parents turn into the dolls. Basically, they wake up as these dolls and they're in this weird, um, like parallel world. Um, you know, like they have to fight her toys as bosses and oh, stuff. Nice. Yeah, it, it's pretty cool. But like they have to work together to get themselves out of the situation. There's like this uh, character is called the Book of Love. Um, and he comes up and he's got a funny little accent and he says, okay, are you ready to work together? You know, uh, it's ridiculous and awesome. It's, it's kind of like playing through a Pixar film. Oh yeah. It sounds, um, very, uh, colorful. Um, <laughs> nice. I, 
yeah, I, I'm not a gamer these days. I used to be really into video games like growing up, but if I got back into them, I'd get too sucked into it. But um, I would I, I would totally play that. Uh, what we talk about a Mr. Nice Guy, we talk love and fear, passion and creativity. And so, as mentioned before, Andrew David Weber, I've, uh, yeah, I've been following your, your um, like, what you've been doing in the music scene for a couple of years now. Um, and it's a bummer. I haven't actually seen Whiskey of the Damned or you play. Like, I haven't actually seen a show, but I know you were, you used to play a lot at like uh, Walker's Point Music Hall, right? Yeah. Well, I used to be the uh, front of house sound guy. Um, I was for like the entire two years that it was open. Um, so I, yeah, I'd be in that place all the time. And if someone needed a band for a bill, they'd be like, Hey, you want to play? I'd be like, sure. So <laughs> I ended up on a lot of shows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I didn't get to go uh, there a ton. Um, I went, I did catch a couple shows there and, uh, it was a really dope spot. Uh, is it still like, uh, functioning? So, uh, Jim had to close the doors on it, but he's hopeful uh, for reopening it at some point. I know he's got another project that he's working on right now, um, trying to open it up a new spot. Uh, but his, I think, ultimate goal is to get back to uh, having Walker's Point Music Hall be a thing, if not in the same space, hopefully in the same space. That space was awesome. I loved it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if not in the same space, he does plan to uh, get back to that once things kind of uh, start trucking along again. Yeah, I hope so. Um, we've lost too many venues uh, to COVID, um, and it's unfortunate. So I, that's a spot that, as you mentioned, like it showed a lot of promise, but it wasn't around for that long before COVID. So um, right. I hope we can get back there soon. Um, so, uh, Andrew, um, where we usually begin here is... Uh, are you are, are you originally from Milwaukee? Where'd you grow up? Uh, so I was born in Milwaukee. Uh, I grew up primarily in West Bend. I bounced around a couple towns um, as I grew up. Um, like I've pretty much lived in West Bend all through school, and then after high school, I moved. You know, like I lived in Allenton for a little bit, or like you know, just like those surrounding suburbs. Um, I lived in Milwaukee a couple times before I eventually made the move to Walgers Point, um, which is why I was there so often <laughs> at the at the music hall um lived in Walgers Point for about a year and then now for the for the past year I've lived over on the east side oh sure okay I'm in River West um kind of by Reservoir Park um right off of North Ave so yes uh Whiskey the Dam used to be based in River West Owen lived on Bremen for a number of years and so we would be jamming there or uh doing stuff like this there <laughs> yeah 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 it's i love it it's it's a great neighborhood great people um great shows too um so andrew uh, i'd love to hear a little bit about um just uh, kind of your musical background so when did you like what did you grow up listening to and uh how did eventually music eventually become a creative outlet for yourself um i grew up listening to kind of whatever my parents were listening to um so, you know, there was a lot of contemporary pop just on the radio and I'd get attached to certain folks. Uh, I think the biggest thing that happened to me is somewhere in my childhood, I found a mixtape that I guess one of my dad's friends must have made for him. Um, but it was all a bunch of like thrash metal. It was like uh, a lot of 80s thrash and uh, speed metal 
just like really intense stuff. And uh, it was kind of cool actually, because um, that came into play like later in my career when I was running a, a show at uh, Walker's Point Music Hall, I ran sound for a band called DRI and they played this song and I had no idea it was actually theirs, but it was on that tape. Oh, cool. uh, from like 1982 or something like that but oh, wow uh, yeah uh, so that, that was a cool thing to experience but uh yeah so I got really into like hard rock I loved guitar solos um like I remember being like 12 years old and trying to learn like Seek and Destroy by Metallica and stuff like that um but I've always been into everything because like I said those pop hooks always stuck with me um which is why I like I've never really had a genre, even as a kid, I don't remember being glued to one. You know, if, if, I, if I thought a country song was good, I would, I would listen to it a bunch. If I yeah. thought an R&B song was good, I would listen to it a bunch. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, that's the best way to be. Speaking of that, though, what you mentioned, um, what was that band called? DRI, you said? Yeah, Dirty Rotten Imbeciles. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, I had a similar thing happen. Uh, do you know the band Lockjaw? I've definitely heard that name tossed around a bit. Yeah, they're like an industrial metal band. They're based in Milwaukee. Um, but one of my favorite video games when I was younger was Dead Rising on the Xbox 360. And it, that band Lockjaw has a song on in one of the boss fights uh, in that game. That's that, awesome. Yeah, and I was like 12 years old playing that game. And then like I started covering the Milwaukee music scene and I get, get get wind of them and I'm like, oh shit, this is that band. I, I like they were they had they had a song on Dead Rising and like they're still a band today. They just dropped a new album like a couple weeks ago. Like it's it's really crazy how that happens. Uh you know Conniption from Milwaukee? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it's uh, the Division Two. They have a song in, but I, my life always comes back to video games. Like I've been working at GameStop a whole bunch, especially since the pandemic, because like there were no gigs. You know, like uh, both the places that I was working, which is uh, Paps Tap Room, which became Captain Paps Pilot House, and Walker's Point Music Hall, those shut down, and those were my two main places. So I started uh, working up in West Bend at the GameStop up there because I remembered I was on the payroll. I was like, oh maybe I should call them and see if they have any hours. And they did coincidentally, but now people will buy that game. And I'm like, Oh, Conniption, my, my friend's band. I think they have a, a song on the soundtrack. Yeah. That's awesome. See, like, <laughs> it's dope when uh, Milwaukee gets those little wins, uh, those subtle yeah. wins like that, you know? So uh, when did you start playing? <clears throat> so there's a picture of me floating around. Um, it's me with my first guitar in 1994 uh with my mother but I mean I was I was really young and I didn't know what I was doing with it for another like six seven years probably I think I, I was probably I was probably around 10 when I started having a sincere interest in it other than just you know banging on it or or whatever um my, I remember my mom asking me uh if I was interested in taking guitar lessons she saw an ad in the paper and uh it was for guitar and piano lessons. My sister said she wanted piano lessons. And I said, I wanted guitar lessons because I like I said, I was obsessed with guitar solos, man. I still am. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, so I was like, yeah, I want to learn to do that. And then uh, I kind of had some flaky teachers at the beginning. Like I would be, you know, with one guy and then he ended up moving. Um, 
so then they found another teacher to put me with uh and he ended up just not having time or something and then I learned with this one girl for a little while and she was cool but then she had some health problems and then uh they moved me I think one more time and that guy was awesome but at that point I was starting to figure stuff out myself so rapidly they're like well do we need to pay this monthly and I'm like no I, I think I got it I was just working through all the books myself yeah. um and then my sister as I mentioned she had started taking piano which meant we had a keyboard at the house, but she didn't really have any more interest in it. So naturally I started kerplunking away at that. Um, then I had a buddy who was a drummer, uh, it was Mike Crisp. Um, and he, he plays in a, in a few bands, uh, Dreamhouse is one of them. Oh yeah, that's a good band. Um, so when we, yeah, when, when we were like 12, I think it was like seventh grade, he did a language arts presentation on how to uh, set up and play drums. And that's how I learned to play drums. It's Mike Crisp in seventh grade. I hope you got an A, dude. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Okay. So you're you're really making your way around the uh the different uh dimensions of the conventional band, it sounds like. Yeah. So uh when I recorded uh you mentioned the Howl of Insanity. I have another album called The Voice of Experience. I wanted one album that was just all me on instruments. Um, you know, like I like using other people's voices because I don't like hearing a thousand of my voice layered on top of each other. Yeah. Uh, so for some applications that works, but in general, I like the dynamic of having another singer. Um, but I wanted all of the instruments to be me. I was like dead set on that. So I hit up uh, Jeff Hamilton at Hamtone Audio in Milwaukee and we started multi-tracking a record, which ended up being the voice of experience and all 12 songs is just like me on everything. <laughs> I needed one. And then when it when I got to the Howl of Insanity, I was like, okay, I have a lot of friends that play, so I made it more collaborative. I think I still did like 88% of things on there. Uh mostly because like I was like, oh man, if I'm gonna hire these people, like I don't have any money. So like I just did all the bones myself and then had a bunch of people come in. Um Thea Boris uh plays with the Bellwether, uh which oh, yeah. was sacred as well. She plays with everybody, she plays cello really well. So I had her do cello on two songs. In fact, the song Moods on Howl of Insanity is like a 15-piece orchestra, but it's just Thea and myself recording everything. Cool. I always think that's so cool when I hear it come out. I'm like, man, this sounds like really big. That's like the beauty of multi-tracking stuff. Plus, uh, Ryan Coots at Cherry Pit is a really good engineer. He engineered that one. Oh, damn. Um, yeah. But yeah, so then I had like at Conniption, who I've already mentioned while talking to you, uh, the song The Howl, which I guess is almost the title track to The Howl of Insanity. <laughs> um, that's uh, half of my live band. So it's me and Matt Schutz uh, on guitars. And then we've got Bill House and Andy Martin from Conniption. So it's, ha it's half us, half Conniption hmm. uh, for that song. And it definitely sounds like it. <laughs> yeah. It's got like three harmonized lead guitars. Like I said, I'm obsessed with that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right on. So, so that was your second uh, solo record then. Yeah. Okay. Tell me. So, what was your first band you ever played in? My first band that I ever played in, uh, I think when I was twelve, we had a band called Lethal Injection. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, between the ages of like ten and twelve, sometime we started in there, and we were probably pretty bad. I think we did make one demo and got kicked out of a talent show um, because. We meant to give them what was on side B of the tape. And side A was us rapping and being extremely profane and vulgar. 
right on yeah <laughs> yeah even at that age we were pretty uh, abrasive you know <laughs> stick it to the man dude <laughs> yeah um so we get we got instantly banned from the talent show that year. that was that was sixth grade so 11 or 12 something like that um we changed our name to tomorrow's regrets because we thought that sounded cool i don't know um what's cool is uh we had, we had this song called the way and there's a video of us playing it at a talent show um now that we're all 30 um we think it'd be a cool idea like everybody is miraculously still alive i mean we've lost so many musicians in that time like so this is the main reason i really want to do this um but uh i started playing it recently you know a song i wrote when i was 11 or 12 years old and i was like man if i rewrite the lyrics to something you know that sounds like an adult wrote it it'd be <laughs> pretty solid um so i hit up everybody in that band just recently and said hey uh for one of my next solo albums i'm gonna re-record this song do you guys want to track it with me and make a video and so the idea is kind of that we'll have this video of us playing at you know like 12 years old for the intro of the song and then it was cut and then bam all of our 30 year old selves <laughs> are there yeah. just rocking it out you know yeah that'd be some cool coming of age shit yeah yeah um which so i have my next two solo albums written and i think i want to put that one on the fourth album which will be called a shred of indecency oh, um yeah it's where it's gonna get a little bit uh a little bit vulgar that way you know like a little bit more risque yeah um yeah. sure <laughs> so you 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 like you have a lot of the chamber it sounds like um two two full records uh that are already written out um what's been like sort of the time frame that like these have been pieced together um so my plan originally was to do one a year i don't know with covid if i'll be able to stay on that i was originally going to release the howl of insanity in like july um i released it in october just because i found a venue um that was willing to like socially distance and keep everything straight operate at 25 percent of their capacity do kind of an intimate thing that could still do a full production show that was uh the ben theater in west ben um oh yeah state-of-the-art sound system they just did a four and a half million dollar renovation in there uh which cool. is particularly hard for them because they opened up march 13th i want to say and everything shut down oh right then uh, dude that the worst probably like the worst business story yeah good for them like staying open but that's so unfortunate uh, right um yeah they, they made the decision to kind of like you know have bands at the capacity that they could i mean they're a 500 capacity building and they've been doing 85 tickets keeping everybody real spaced out hand sanitizing stations all through it like i love what they're doing there you know it's like making yeah. the best of the situation yeah yeah right on um how old are these these songs that uh that that are oh, man. coming up? Uh so I keep everything. I don't uh I don't discard anything. I I'll rewrite, you know, if something's crappy. But I I always, I keep every idea and I've got I think somewhere around 410 songs in books. Oh wow. Um and some of the ones so the Howl of Insanity just came out in what October. Um yeah. There are songs on there that I wrote 12 years ago. Oh, yeah. So cool. 
Yeah, so Damn, I've got a so, lot of back catalog that I'm trucking through. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm interested in how you're kind of deciding which is going on what. Yeah, well, I'm like, I, I try to theme them out. Uh, so, you know, Howl of Insanity is a mental health record. I, I take that extremely seriously. I've got a lot of friends that are veterans uh, that suffer from PTSD and things like that, that don't get the help they need and, and end up in some pretty bad situations. And, um, you know, it's that stuff that really bothers me that I like to put out there you know, like, hey, this is an issue that I feel strongly about, and here's a story based around it. Um, there are actually two concept stories that go along with the Howl of Insanity. One of them is really fantasy and has like werewolves and stuff, because uh, yeah. I'm into that. Uh, but the other one is just the story of a soldier who uh, bites off more than he can chew. He's, he starts off very cocky, um, you know, and, and feeling invincible. Uh, goes through combat, loses people. Basically, I, I, I crafted it just talking to all of my friends that have, have been through this sort of thing, you know. And I, I noticed a lot of common themes, like talking to four different guys, you know, or something like that. Like they had a lot of the same things, same experiences, things to say, but then like they don't ever feel like they can share it, you know. Yeah. They feel like they're in a box. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, like even when you know that others like struggle with some of the same issues, like it can be really hard to reach out and like yeah. be be like vocal about it because like you feel sort of like a guilt for like putting your like issues out into the world like for other people to worry about like and even if it's even if it's something I that you know that people, usually yeah. 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 And it's obviously, you know, taking care of yourself and holding yourself accountable, but also like, you know, finding the right, keeping the right people around you, you know, that are going to bring the yeah. best out of you and, and, and support you. Um, that's, that's really the, the key to the most important thing. Yeah. Um, and like my, I think my biggest outlet, because I think it might have something to do with that guilt that you described, you know, um, with it being hard to put yourself out there. Um, I think that's why I write these conceptualized stories, you know, like it almost feels like it's not me then if it's cathartic, it's like putting stuff that's in here out, but it's not Andrew Weber. It's so-and-so, you know, like I've got this character Calvin that always goes through crazy shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, Personifying. You know, yeah. 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 Right. Like using metaphors and shit like that. Yeah. It definitely helps. And then once you get it, you know, written out, I, like I haven't done anything with the, the writings of, of like the storylines and like the outlines that I have, but I've done a lot with the music and like basically putting that outline down helps me choose which songs fit that concept, you know? Yeah. 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 Voice no. of experience was very, I mean, for lack of a better way to put it, it's, you know, life and death. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of people dying in the voice of experience and that's sort of the experience that <laughs> that is talking you know it's like mm -hmm. um from someone who's seen so many people go down all these different paths and seen the outcomes of them and is just sitting and thinking what's my path yeah. and so that's kind of all the voice of experience really is sure okay sure yeah yeah um and that that is especially a relevant topic now in the past year you know with just death at like co like covid deaths and feeling isolated you know like everything yeah. feels so mortal 
So what are, what, yeah, what do you have in the chamber? So what's in store? Like, uh, what are, what are, what can people expect on these next uh, couple records? So the, uh, the next album, I've tossed around a whole bunch of names of, of, for it. So I probably won't mention an exact name until I got that down. Uh, the working title was Death Has a Soul, but I don't know if that's where, what we're going to end up at. Um, but the next one is basically uh, an extension. So I'm making it uh, with the same producer, Jeff Hamilton, uh, that did The Voice of Experience, because it's going to have a lot of the same vein stuff yeah. uh, in it. But it'll be more resolved. It won't just be like, oh, my God, everything's screwed up, <laughs> you know. Um, there, are, there are a lot, I don't want to say it's all positive because I'm very bittersweet as a writer. I try to like throw out a whole bunch of horrible stuff and then kind of like wrap it up with, hey, it's not so bad. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but uh, there's a lot more like finding your inner strength theme with, with this one. Yeah. Um, you know, and being okay with things, acceptance. That's it. Oh, yeah. It's an acceptance yeah. record. And forgiving yourself, you know, yep. that's a big part. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, so that's, that's going to be the third album. It's all written. Um, so every now and then I'll make changes though. I'll write a song that I feel fits that spot a little bit better and I'll kick one out. That happened with the Howl of Insanity. Moods was never supposed to be on the Howl of Insanity. Um, but I liked it after I wrote it, you know, more recently compared to all the other ones. And I liked it so much better than what I had in that spot that I was like, sorry. <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. but I, like i said i don't throw anything away so i'll find a purpose and a place for that song down the road it's just moods was is what it had to be there yeah I got you. so i might do that a couple times but in general like the next two albums are all written uh a shred of indecency i had to make the fourth record because i never want to typecast myself uh or genre you know like box myself into a genre yeah. or anything like that and a Shred of Indecency has some funny and stupid stuff. Like, it's just, it's a little more lighthearted, I guess, you know. It's, yeah. there, there are a lot more jokes. And uh, I was hesitant to release that stuff first because I didn't want to be the joke guy, you know. Yeah. Um, but, I, and, and like, not everything on it, you know, there, I still touch on some pretty sensitive subjects. And, like, I guess there, even though there's comedy, there's still level of severity and seriousness to it but uh i decided to push it to fourth for two reasons uh one it does have that weird humor throughout it that is not going to be everybody's thing I'm, I'm well aware of this i like i can't wait to see the reactions i feel like they're going to be very mixed um but also as a vibe it's just so much heavier you know and so i wanted to put out some of this groovier stuff first so that i don't uh typecast myself into oh that's just a hard rocker you know right. kind of thing so i almost put out everything but hard rock first <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, like, yeah. I felt the strongest attachment to hard rock my whole life and metal and stuff like that but i, I feel like i've almost like oh well, not yet not yet now's not the time no, it's like, right. unleash the demon you know <laughs> yeah yeah you're hey you're uh you're experimenting um yeah. you're, uh, and you, you said it's still going to be like a darker vibe, but with more jokes, like essentially. Yeah. yeah. And that's a good thing to juxtapose. It's like, hey, you know, life's absurd, but let's have fun about it. You know, let's, let's, uh, yeah. 
poke fun and shit. Uh, I, I, I get that and I dig it. Um, yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to uh, those. Um, yeah, I'll be, uh, I'll be watching. Um, so in terms of Whiskey of the Damned, um, how did, so how did that band form? Uh, so Owen formed it with a bunch of guys, I want to say around like 2009 or 10. Um, but touring didn't fully work out. They, they had one demo, which was pretty <clears throat> solid. I mean, it was enough for me to be intrigued and want to join the band. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it, was, it was pretty awesome. They, they had played some, some good gigs already. Um, but uh, Owen just wanted a new lineup, like a fresh start. And uh, he met up with me and Gina Romantini. I don't know if you've ever talked to her on one of these, but she's uh, one of my favorites, dude. She, yeah. um, she was on the show a couple months ago, and uh, nice. I, love, I love Gina Romantini. Me too. I think everybody does. Um, so we kind of formed the new whiskey of the band. We still had a couple of the other guys, but over time, you know, people have like families and stuff and they need to go do other things. Um, and Gina included, she only tours with, I think, four or five bands at the moment, you know, and that's during the p- a pandemic. <laughs> it's like, it wasn't, I shouldn't say tours, but she's working with several acts, you know. Yeah. Um, she's always busy. I mean, I think as soon as stuff opens back up, she'll be everywhere, you know, Canada one day, uh, Belgium. Yeah, she, and, right. And yeah. playing with like Fountains of Wayne or, uh, you know, the, yeah. the Dewey those, Brothers. Right, yeah, the Doobie Brothers or um, the like, Jacob the, Dylan, Wallflowers. Yeah, I think she was. Yeah, yeah, she's she's a beast. Uh, the Mahones, that was another one. They yeah. they actually just posted with her playing, so I, I wonder if she's doing more stuff with them. I love the Mahones so much, man. So that's awesome. <laughs> I, yeah, um, yeah, right on. But yeah, so anyway, uh, we toured with her in the lineup for a number of years, uh, and then. She, we still consider her part of the band. Dude, if we're ever in the same spot, she joins us on stage. So sometimes you will see two violins with Whiskey the Dam. Um, we've got Marco Conley is, a, is our main violinist currently, but he also plays everything. I think everybody in Whiskey the Dam is a multi-instrumentalist. So we've got this whole part of our show now where we all switch. Oh, cool, yeah. You know, so Marco, you know, he might play banjo if Gina comes back and plays uh, violin. We have already talked about with the next record having Gina do some tracking on it. So hopefully she will. Hopefully she'll answer our emails. Yeah. But, uh, Gina. Wonderful. She stays in contact. She's like great friend. <laughs> oh yeah, she's funny as hell. Like I really like her sense of humor. Um yeah, her Facebook stories are a delight. Yeah. Yeah. I remember where I was at now. Um so yeah, we got Marco because Gina was starting to not be able to make as many. Uh, festival commitments and we need like we were only getting the festival gigs we were getting for having a fiddle and an accordion you know so we had we had brian link um actually he originally came in because gina couldn't make a festival and uh owen's like do we know anybody who plays fiddle if not fiddle accordion i'm like i know a guy that plays accordion but i don't know where he's at with it and he's like what do you mean i'm like well he's literally learning a couple of our songs to start learning accordion so maybe he's doing well let's call him um so we called Brian Link and uh, I go, hey, man, how's that an accordion? He's like, pretty well, dude. I got a couple of your songs done. I'm like, that is great news. Uh, can you come to New York? And he goes, yeah, when? And I'm like, like right now. <laughs> and he's like, we'll, we'll be there. We're like 30 minutes from your house. <laughs> oh, and and awesome. he goes, well, I got to call work. 
And uh, we're like, all right, you call work. Let us know. We'll start heading your way. So we're like, hopefully work is cool. And Brian's just dipping in New York for a few days. He calls back. He's like, yeah, I'm good to go. So we we picked Brian up. He got in the van and it's like a 14-hour drive out to Watertown, New York. And so for that entire time, we're going through the songs. Brian's got his accordion. He's in the middle of the van. And like an accordion, you know, I mean, you can imagine it's some space. It's uh, cumbersome. Yeah. Yeah. So he's in the van <laughs> learning the songs. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the way. Um, and that's happened with pretty much every lineup change is just get in the van. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, when, uh, and, and weirdly enough, uh, the same festival, a different year, uh, Sean Hoffman, our old bass player, couldn't make it. Um, this was actually before Brian. Matt joined the, uh, the year before Brian did. And uh, I remember we played that festival without a bass player. Uh, because he's like, sorry, guys, I can't. Family stuff's getting too nuts, you know, and that happens. So we were, we were okay. We got to figure something out. I think we played that year without a bass player, but I remember being at that festival on the phone with Matt Schutz. And then I think on the way back, I was like, hey, I'm going to send you like 14 songs. Just keep it kind of hush. You know, we don't know what's going on yet. So uh, I guess whenever Whiskey the Dam has to play in New York, we get a new bandmate. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But nobody's, and nobody's ever really out of the band either. Yeah. Uh, there was a show that Matt couldn't make uh, shortly before COVID, and Sean, well, we called him. We we're like, hey, man, what are you doing? And he's just like, yeah, I'll come play bass. <laughs> it, it, that, it kind of sounds like it develops into like a collective, you know, like a, yeah. like a musical family. And that's, it just sounds like it's something new every time, which is, yeah. Which is we figured out that this lineup is going to turn 10 this year. Oh, cool. Yeah. Wow. That it's getting pretty wild. But uh, now that more and more people are uh, getting vaccinated and, and a lot of places are starting to open up and like kind of cautiously approach, you know, throwing some of these uh, events, uh, we booked a couple festivals. We're going to play May 1st um, at uh, Vintage Short Fest in Dubuque, Iowa. Oh, cool. That'll be a breath of fresh air. It's also like it got it got luck, lucky for us. It got nicer earlier. Um, yeah. Otherwise, so um, that's yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. Then we're we're doing a, another uh, socially distanced festival on uh, Feb or no, uh, that's another May date, May twenty second. Um, and that'll be in like the late Geneva area for Wise Jennings. You know Wise Jennings. I sure do. I uh, actually just uh, did their latest press release. Um, nice. Well, yeah. they're, they're uh, going to release their album. Um, and right. yeah. yeah, have us, Craig Bauman, if you know him. Oh, yeah. 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 And so it's going to be Whiskey to Dam, Craig Bauman, and Wise Jennings on May 22nd. Oh, that'll be a blast, man. Yeah. Wise <laughs> Jennings, they're sweethearts. Melissa and Jeff are like such kind people for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I told I, I told them that they adopted me and that I'm their son now, and they said that that's okay. Um, they they even said I can live in a wing of their house. They even showed me where it was. And like the last time I saw Melissa, she's like, "We got you a new TV. There's a new TV in your room." And I was like, "All right." <laughs> I think I actually live there now. I'm gonna find out on the 22nd. I'm just gonna go in the house and start sleeping and see what they say. That's cute. Hopefully, uh, get some good home cooked meals out of it too. Yeah, I, I went over to their to their uh, friendsgiving, their Thanksgiving dinner. That was good. No, oh, that's yeah. I'm trying to come this year. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
By the way, yeah, you um, you're Sammy Bardashevich's cousin, aren't you? Yes, I am. Yeah, she mentioned that when I interviewed her on the podcast, uh, like last year. Um, I'm like, oh yeah, I've been meaning to get him here too. Uh, but it's just uh, <laughs> a lot of uh, webs of connection here. Yeah, I mean, and that's even outside of uh, family relations. It's kind of just how Milwaukee's music scene is, or yeah. art scene, I guess. You know, like uh, artists, dancers, anybody, everybody knows everybody. Yeah, and, yeah. It's I love it. I mean, I, I love like when you can go to a show and you can count on seeing like at least like five to ten people you know or who you're gonna run in at the store, like yeah. who, who you're gonna see out in the park that day. Like it's I, I love it. And I'm 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 getting the full vax uh, on Thursday and I'm just I'm stoked to have some semblance of of shows back uh, as the year goes on um this summer will be really popping it's gonna be fun yeah we're all about to have ours uh brian i think will be fully vaxxed he'll be the first one to be fully vaxxed good for you brian good for you <laughs> so what are you guys working on as whiskey the damn now so we uh we have a live album that we recorded um must have been either early 2020 or uh late 19 um, I'm sure we say what day it is somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, in fact, I know it's a Friday night because it's somewhere in there. Uh, we make a, a joke about uh, we're playing Seven Drunken Nights and the Friday gets really intense because that was tonight. So now I know it was a Friday. I don't know what day. No. Sure. Um, but anyway, so we have a live album that we're mixing down. Um, it's hilarious and terrible and people are going to love it or hate it, I guess. Um we wanted to put some because we've always been told like, hey man, your recorded stuff sounds so good, but it doesn't have that live energy that you guys are known for. And we're just like, all right, let's put out a live album. We decided to do it acoustic, but it still rips. Like it, it, we, I guess we don't know how to use acoustic instruments properly. You know, we're like, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's fun for me to listen to, and I, you know, I usually don't enjoy listening to all of our stuff over and over again during the mixing process like that gets very tedious um but i'm very hopeful for this one because every time i listen through you know making a mixing note or whatever i find something else to laugh at or like whatever it's very funny i guess you know <laughs> yeah yeah our ridiculousness like the, all this happened on a stage in front of people and they didn't leave yeah that's always assuring uh <laughs> yeah well that'd be funny It'll It'll be a good, uh, some good music to spill beer to in the future. I look forward to yeah. that. Um, yeah, and then we're working on a studio album um, pretty soon here. We've got the working title, uh, The Devil's Hand, for that one. Um, we've got, I think, 10 or 12 songs picked out for it. We're, I don't know how many will end up actually on there, but we kind of started talking about, you know, what we're going to put on it. And uh, we've got a... Whiskey the Dam has a bunch of back catalog too that we have never put on records. We've only got two official releases. Um, and right now, because of some other uh, issues we had a couple of years ago, there are only a couple of places like Apple Music has one of them. Um, they have Monsters Are Real. Amazon has Monsters Are Real and I think some of The Devil the Railroads. Spotify has one song from The Devil the Railroads. It's yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, it's available for purchasing everywhere. We ran into some licensing issues and we had to resubmit it. Um, and the fit, the problem with doing that with a lot of streaming services is once you've submitted an album, um, 
it's hard to like resubmit it without changing it. So we're kind of just navigating that right now uh, yeah. without getting into too much detail, but it, it'll come back. Good. Um, and then uh, if not, we got two releases. We're going to for sure release. We made bail is the, is the uh, live album. We, we named it. We made bail. We got a pre-order patch for it. If you run into anybody from whiskey, the dam say, Hey, let me get one of those patches. It just says uh, we made bail 2021 on it. Um, and that's like effectively the pre-order it's $10 for the patch. But if you come, you know, say whiskey, the damn show down the road and we have those things there and you go, Hey, I bought this patch. We'll go, well, here's your CD, man. But, I'm glad you guys made bail. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, you have it too. <laughs> I know, dude. Hey man. Love it. Uh, Hey, that sounds like fun. Uh, yeah. Um, Andrew, I'm glad you could come on the show today to talk a little bit about what you do and why you do it. Uh, both solo yeah. and with the band. Um, yeah, I appreciate you having me, dude. Of course. Um, on our way out, I ask everyone the same two questions. Uh, the The first one is Andrew David Weber. What keeps you up at night? <clears throat> what keeps me up at night? That's a loaded question, man. <laughs> um, I guess uh, good and bad things. You know, what keeps me up at night? Um. I worry a lot for the safety of other people, um, especially in these times right now. I've got, you know, say I've got friends on two sides of an issue that I see kind of having violent tendencies and trying to be like mediator between them being like, hey guys, we're all still human here. You know, like, let's remember that. Uh, the biggest problem that I see is like with social media in particular and the fact that uh, a lot of people haven't been face to face in a while is that the human element of conversation is almost non-existent in some cases um and people have been looking at each other more as like words on a screen instead of uh another human being and so when they argue about something it's very easy to get carried away and then threats get made other people jump in on that and it becomes us against them it gets so very that, like inflammatory very quickly yeah yeah um so a lot of that uh that that stuff keeps me up at night you know trying to find the bridge there yeah um, and remember that everybody is still human even if you know there is a lot of hate in the world yeah and like even like i even asked someone who has very strong political views like i had to kind of curve myself this past year a little bit to be like hey there's there's far like more productive ways than to like you know shame and get mad at people like on the internet all day like if i'm yeah. really upset about something i'm going to go on the streets you know and i'm going to encourage people to have these conversations you know like turn it into some something that's like encouraging and positive rather than like very hot like you know unabashedly hostile right. um that's something yeah i i agree that because of like quarantine and people aren't seeing each other like dialogues can't really happen to, to in that same uh, manifestation and it's hard yeah it's hard. so that, that's a, that's a big thing and then um on the positive end uh mm -hmm. excitement keeps me awake you know I, i'm right now i'm working on seven different bands basically and in they're in three different states so you know i've been working on some stuff in reno nevada i've been working on some stuff in st louis missouri i've been working on a bunch of stuff here Okay. Um, so the other thing is, you know, scheduling that or, you know, like trying to figure out what I can do when uh, budgeting for a lot of that stuff. 
um, is another thing. So it's like stressful, but also exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that's like kind of the stuff that keeps me going, you know? Yeah. Right. Well, on the other hand, uh, what puts you to sleep? What puts me to sleep? Well, the fact that I've got really good people in my life, I, I've been thinking about this a lot lately and I can sleep well knowing it. Like I've noticed that in my friend group, it's really common for like, if we see each other, regardless of how long it's been, whatever, somebody will pull something out of their back. Like, I got you. This, it made me think of you, you know? And I, I was thinking about how often that happens in my friend circle and it's insane, you know, That's great. just like, it's like, we think of each other, we have each other's back, but like, you know, even if we haven't seen each other for a little bit, it's like that person was thinking of me and I was thinking of them. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the right friends to have around at all times. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, that's, that is actually wholesome. Um, through and through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, dude. I feel well, very good about it. Good. Good. Um, yeah, man. Thanks once again for uh, being on the show. Uh, I appreciate uh, coming there to talk about your music and, um, everything you have going on for everyone watching i'll be tagging andrew david weber whiskey the damned uh you can check out all the projects he's involved in as well as uh streaming uh what they've got and uh, we're looking forward to seeing uh what he does next uh thanks for watching mr nice guy as always we will see you next time